is the Chartographers. It is our happy hour episode about the White Stripes, where we are going to talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about when it pertains to Jack and Meg White, his big sister. Uh, so, uh, first off, just so you know, it's me, Evan Saudi, it's co-creator Taron O'Reilly, it's our two special guests, Will Hodge and Justin Smith. They're in studio right now, gathered around a mic. They're doing it old school. We actually very much in true White Stripes fashion. This is all plugged into a 1940s, barely powered by an electric board. There's actually a hamster running a wheel. That's how it's being charged over in the studio. Wait. Suit and tie. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the bowler <laughs> hat. Oh my god. Like, we, I can't wait to talk about his fucking kids' appearances in uh, It oh, Might Get Loud because his kid's fucking weird as shit. But most importantly, though, we talked about White Stripes. We ranked all their albums and we had a good time. But in the meantime, we need to do the thing that we do at the top of every half hour minisode, which is, guys, what's the worst White Stripes song? Qualifier, qualifier can't be okay. sung by Meg White. I was about to say, no, it can't okay. be sung by Meg White. No, that's a manipulation. I, okay. I mean, it's it's Saint Andrew, um, <laughs> or is it passive manipulation? Really? But okay, not sung by Meg White. Not sung by Meg White. Hmm. That's a tough. One. Um. Because worse is said, you're like, what? what well, there's some uh, talk about there was uh, there was some flack thrown at Astro. Yes, oh, by, yeah. I think the, I'm not sure if I would call it. Yeah, that's totally me. Far I'm not sure if I would call it. I wouldn't call it their worst. I okay. definitely don't like it. Okay. Make no mistake. <laughs> but uh, aluminum, dude, aluminum is up there. I mean, yeah. and then you get that Wayne Coyne kind of vocal in at yeah. the end. Like it literally sounds like Wayne Coyne showed up just for the last <laughs> shriek. We yeah. all agree it's something off get behind me, Satan. Right? Uh, I mean, be. jumble, jumble, yeah. I do. I oh, jumble. Oh, yeah. I was gonna one, say that's mm-hmm. the one on that entire record. The one ding. That's but the one ding. It's like. <laughs> like, oh, thanks, Jack. That's my favorite record by them. But right. I'm like, what the hell, man? Yeah. Don't do that to me. Mm. Um, yeah, for me, it's either probably, if it's not Meg White, then it's either Jumble Jumble or Broken Bricks. All right. Hmm. Will Hodge, where do you land on this? That's tough because I think, and this is almost meaner than saying worse songs, is right, I feel right. like instead of oh, yeah. bad songs, <laughs> I think sometimes these albums have forgettable songs. Um, and so, but if you're like, what's the most forgettable? You're like, I don't know, I forgot what. But, um, <laughs> I, I would say, okay. yeah. Gun to the Head, probably off Icky Thump. For some reason, 300 mile per hour. Yada, yada, yada. It's just, oh my god, get out of my house, man. <laughs> Oh, that's like wow. that's like literally even in, that opening riff. That's literally that's like, offensive. That's like in my top five. Probably. I would. Yeah, here's like, my here's my uh, unresearched completely. I'm gonna delete uh, the old episodes here. you were on. <laughs> I feel like th- that Jackson song. <laughs> I feel like that song was probably written before Catch Hell Blues, and it was written because he probably had a lot of others and felt like he had to put some sort of blues song on there. And so you get this like, hey, remember I'm a blues guy, but it feels very like paint by numbers. And then you're like, well, you've got Catch Hell Blues, so take that one yeah. off. Like you're, yeah, I don't. I just love the lyrics of that song so yeah. much. They're so clever. Like I'm breaking my teeth off trying to bite my lip. What? What? Yeah. I Jack, you're a genius. This song. I love. I love <laughs> the, the melody. I love the production. I love the little the little guitar arpeggios he has to it. You know, it's just fucking great. So Will, I hate to break the see Will Hodge. You're actually wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, you know, I know you think it's an opinion. Yeah. You're actually wrong. Uh, that, I'll take it. That is okay. <laughs> you take, take, take it. Yeah. Oh, take it. There it is. 
is old. All right, so we got a lot of things to cover here in the Happy Hour Minisode, so I'm just going to kind of go through a couple things. I know they'll take a little bit longer, but first off, the non-White Stripes bands that mm. Jack White is in. Oh, boy. Do you have a preference for one? Do you like his solo work? Where, where do y'all stand? and Tours, baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I missed good. that group. Well, here's the thing. Do you miss the first album, Rock Tours, or I second miss album? I both of them. Okay, you yeah. do. All right. I think one of his best uh, vault releases that he does with Third Man is uh, the Ryman show that the Raconteurs did after their second album. So you get mixtures of, uh, of both albums. It is so just loud and expressive, and I feel like that that's one of the times within a band format that he's able to actually have some more fun because... He breathes a little bit. Brendan mm-hmm. Benson is such a strong vocalist, and such a strong songwriter. Yeah. yeah, that he's like can just totally destroy. Really enough, one of my all-time favorite songs of the Rock on Tours was off the second album when they did that cover of Rich Kid Blues. Yes, which sounds like the band, and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh my god! Like I know they were kind of going for this kind of almost pop rock, maybe Americana, who the fuck knows aesthetic. Like yeah. that one just like fucking got to I me. I mean, it makes sense that it sounds like the band. Yeah, <laughs> it gets loud. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Really is familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, he has he plays with the same guys on uh, Loretta Lynn's album. So it's like I think and he's friends with all of them. So setting that up for the Loretta Lynn album, I think makes perfect sense of what they what they went into. And I think they're another band that if they got back together, I think all of his fans would be right there. Like, and I'm, I'm so one. sad because that's probably never going to happen. Right. Because right, right. they're just doing so many different things, but. Conversely, I would say the Raconteurs just have such a leg up on bands like The Dead Weather because there was so much creative power mm-hmm. impact in that room. Because there were the other the two guys Weather. from, was it the Greenhorns that were on there? Greenhorns, and wasn't there someone from. I thought there was Steve two guys from the Greenhorns, and then there was uh, Brendan Benson. Okay. Well, I was thinking there was Jack Lawrence is in both of them. Oh, okay. he's right. in the Raconteurs yeah. and Dead, Dead Weather. Weather. I but, feel like some of that's apples and oranges in the sense of sometimes it, it's funny to think about the Dead Weather as a band because they almost feel like. Uh, 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 like a almost like a hip hop collective or something where it's like Jack White on drums uh, is is such an interesting piece mm-hmm. that whenever he lets everybody else kind of the reverse of what you're saying with the White Stripes when he's just handling I know he played keys and guitars on some songs but whenever he's just playing drums and he lets everybody else handle the melodic stuff he takes the songs into these very kind of complex rhythms and very percussive heavy uh, hip hop things that you don't automatically think of hip hop because it's not like anybody's really rapping, but there's a lot of like scat vocals and a lot of like repetition, almost like they use their instruments as looping stations sometimes more so mm-hmm. than than actual like well, yeah, the they guitar hang, they hang groups. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The drum beat on Hang oh Up by the God. Heavens. I could listen to Whorehound nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a Dylan cover on that one too. Yeah, uh, New Pwned, and, and that was actually the one bum note. <laughs> right, yeah, I'll give you that. How much longer? <laughs> How much longer? I'm like, oh god. How much longer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please answer um, it soon. Um, the only my only complaint with uh, some of the Dead Weather stuff is Jack just doesn't shut up. I'm like. With some of his his backing vocals, I'm like, just let Allison sing. Yeah, Because yeah. her voice is just fine. Like, a, a song that I feel like he really brought down was So Far From Your Weapon. Because mm-hmm. um, he had the backing track um, in the whole chorus there. And if you just let Allison just sing that song, yeah. it's less is more. I think it's safe to say, like, he can't sing background vocals. He turns every song into a duet. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, he. That's it's him? Jack White's but the, voice. But then, he, but then like, he got stuff like treat me like your mother would, and you know, uh, yeah. it's just uh, like, cut oh, like a buffalo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It works in some ways, and yeah, in others, yeah. But um, yeah. if I was a pro wrestler and or exotic dancer, cut like a buffalo would be like my song. I think you uh, could be an exotic dancer. Yeah. I'm just telling you that right now. I mean, and you could be like you could say like I'm finding it harder to be a gentleman every day as you remove your, <laughs> as you remove your flannel. Hey, uh, if this podcasting you know. thing doesn't work out, then uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all going to be guests on the Hodgecast. Happens, by the way, it's going to be the great. pro wrestling slash exotic dancing uh, podcast. podcast. Uh, so, well, okay, but then that being said, what do you guys think about Jack White solo? It's funny, I that you make that because I, I you make feel, that sound. That yeah, you just that, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel there's some stuff that is so genius. Yeah, that's really really great. But I think that as much as we talk about how much he excels with some parameters, his solo work Has is been. the place where there's no parameters, and so. it fucking suffers because of it. Yeah, that's exactly absolutely. my point. The white stripes, not is the great. whole catalog of his solo stuff. I am aware, yeah, but exactly, the yeah. yeah. But, but, like, literally, because, like, the White Stripes, and even the other bands, but most importantly the White Stripes, it's very much a very strict aesthetic. I'm the only instrumentalist aside from Meg, for the most part. Like, it's just very clean-cut, very, he has parameters in place. And again, creativity works best when there's restrictions, when there's deadlines, when you do things like let the stone roses into a studio and just, like, record whatever you want, guys, <laughs> and they would take five months, and most of it they're playing fucking arcade games. Like, you know, like, that shit's gonna <laughs> suffer. Like, it's, no, it's not, nothing good's gonna come out of it. You know, yeah. I mean, the only time I think that's ever happened in history was My Bloody Valentine, but that's its own thing. <laughs> right. But like, legit though, like, and so like Jack White Untethered, like the stuff he has off his forthcoming solo album, which comes out this, uh, you know, the year that we record this, is like. <laughs> rough man like he's got weird ass backing vocals and just like I don't know what the fuck he's doing like I he's just like going out on an adventure yeah of... there's splashes in the pan yeah. though right, it's exactly. not a consistent exactly. simmer oh my god and like yeah. these six records you know mm-hmm. and it's just it's tough to watch it's yeah. tough to listen to one of the things that I do like about his solo catalog um, I saw him tour on Blunderbuss and when he had the the two bands, he had the male and the female band, and we would not let nice. yeah. yeah, and or when there were single nights, he wouldn't tell them until like before, like he yeah. would sound check, rehearse both bands, and it was up to him which one he wanted to go with that night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played two nights at Very the Ryman, and we I know right, yeah. and we saw the the female version. And one of the things I love is I think some people were just like whatever he's being weird, he's just you know doing his whole thing, but. His songs actually do kind of, uh, I think he was using that aggressive um, kind of thump because his drummer, Dari Jones, on the male side is thunder drums, like unbelievably perfect. But then there was a lot more like nuance, like still such a high level of musicianship, but there was a nuance and a slinkiness to the female band that he was trying to see like, what do my songs kind of filtered through both of these groups or whatever and so sometimes whenever he gets accused of like oh you record with women because you know they're you know more pliable or malleable or you can you know it's all that he talks a lot about when you get five guys in a room it becomes like just gorillas in a cage bouncing off each other but women kind of leave space and are more like you know friendly and all that sort of stuff so i think sexist (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it it's sexist, and it's also a part. If it wasn't Jack White, I would think that it's another way of trying to be creative and a and a different way of using your tools. But a lot of his misogyny and stuff, you're like, there probably is a lot to the part where he's like, I like people that I can control. I like people that are intimidated by. And him. it is, a, yeah. There's so much about control with him, mm-hmm. which to his great benefit and his great detriment. Right. Right. Um, 
So that being said, I want to get into the other thing I wanted to talk about. Favorite Jack White beef. So much. Because <laughs> he's, got, he's got some standouts. Oh, yeah. man. I, favorite, like, least... Oh, I mean, God. the Dan, like, you want to find it, the Dan yeah. Auerbach one is the one that makes no sense. Yes. Because for a couple different reasons. One, I feel like... Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys, for those who don't know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He of another... Uh, another drum guitar duo. Yeah. Yeah. Out of I, Detroit. I, <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like the White Stripes kind of get lumped into all that, like, turn of the century. I call them the adjective noun bands, where it's like, you know, the White Stripes, the Black Keys... The yeah. red jumpsuit apparatus, all that sort of stuff. But they're definitely in yeah. the same echelon. <laughs> the uh, Led Zeppelin. It's one of those things where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where you're kind of like, uh, why are you trying to have a beef with someone because you think they're copying you, but everybody else is like, oh no, no, no we don't put you guys as contemporaries. Like, you are a step ahead of them. You know, like, they're following right. in your footsteps. You came first. You're we more all popular. recognize that right. they are. He seems like the only one that that's like doesn't. not okay. It's like Jack, you have a legacy. Yeah, right. you should be honored that there are people mm-hmm. who are co- like not copying, but are inspired right. by but your sound. It's like Dave Chappelle and Key and Peele, like total <laughs> left field, but right, like right. It, it fits. Yeah, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, but literally, Jack White found out his kids were going to the same school as yes. Dan Auerbach's kids, and had them pulled out because he didn't want his kids going to the same school as the fucking guy get, from the fucking Black Keys. Get bent, Jack. Like, right, legit, yeah. that's one of several examples of him being an asshole. He produced the debut album for the Von Bondies, and then later at another record release show, got in a fist fight with Jason Strollmuller or whatever his name is, and punched mm-hmm. him in the fucking face, like, multiple times. Like, right, right. battered, like, actual, like, shots. Well, medical he, shots. He, uh, he got hurt, and he didn't... Who did he try and lawsuit? Because he was complaining about he has to do his power chords with his middle finger and his pinky now because he hurt his hand. Me, me, me. Oh, I yeah, thought that was a car wreck that made him. Oh, was it the that. car wreck? Okay, I, think so. I was thinking it was a which yeah, yeah. Because he, uh, I think that's why he has the the brace on his arm or the uh, cast. Yeah, the cast. Um, and the hardest button to button video. Oh, is, I think. Yeah, I think he was with Renee Zellweger in that car wreck. Damn it, Renee! Unless I'm unless I'm uh, combining Ooh. a couple stories, I think that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many. It's it's easy to have them blur together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Goodness. I mean, we we found a list of all of them, and it's oh, like really? it's like dozens of. Entries. There was a time when like, uh, Q101 in Chicago, a radio station, played all of Elephant, and he was touring in Spain and heard about this and called them in while they were playing it to complain that they were ruining music. Oh, uh, isn't was, that how, how albums are supposed? to be enjoyed in the old school indulgent legitimate yeah. way yeah but not yeah. on the radio but not yeah. radio you monster right? and I, don't, I don't know if it was works. a beef but didn't um, didn't the guy from Red Cross uh, add bass to White Blood Cells and made like an art concept album called Red Blood Cells and, and he like he was giving it away on his website for free yeah. oh. oh and, uh, and I, I don't know if it was a if it was a beef or if it was just a like oh yeah. hey you can't do that it's yeah. legal, but I think there was some headbutting yeah. there for a while okay yeah, but I understand that one though exactly. yeah. <laughs> that, one, that one I can give some you added to. bass to my album right. and now you're giving it away for free like, yeah fuck you not, yeah, yeah not it, thing, I mean there yeah. was a there was a little bit of like, like because it, I'm making it artistic and all that but yeah it was okay, but if he had goofy. like remixed it 
Yeah. That would be different. Or yeah. like done a covers <laughs> album. Or like right, they right. recorded everything. Yeah. Including the vocals. Like that or was a good question. Or Ryan Adams and did an album, you know, song for song <laughs> cover of the album. You right, know? right. Yeah. And, and what was the Speaking commercial? of, he's yeah. beefed with Ryan Adams too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, who he was did, the commercial yeah. that they used? Was it the Navy that the used? The Army, I think, yeah. Army or Navy that used Icky Thump in a commercial and they were like, oh, we don't support the this. The Icky Thump sound alike. They tried to say that he was the. They're like, we took your exact guitar tones, chord patterns but we had our own instrumentalist to it okay but can we also talk about jack white random one-off pieces too because first off the one of the two there are two things i think of at least when i think about this category i think about one of course uh the song he did with alicia keys for mm. the quantum of solace uh james bond movie mm. not f- good it's not it's, it's not, not the Sam Smith, Smith song I'll right. tell you it's that not, much. it's yeah. not it's useless terrible. garbage yeah right but it's it just is, like oh okay. it's like I remember like for that collaboration level I'm like eh. right like yeah. the thing is with with two auteurs like that mm-hmm. you expect an incredible result yeah and it's, I don't I don't know that they it's were, the girl is mine yeah. right like dancing in the street with David Bowie and you know it's like dancing in the street yeah right yeah. I, like I don't I don't I just somehow less gay I don't think even though they're they're both great musicians I don't think they clicked on an artistic level mm-hmm. unlike yeah. my favorite Beyonce song of all time yeah. gonna featuring fuck Jack White yeah. oh, good. which is yeah. Don't Hurt Yourself Right. And lemonade. I mean, because yeah. you you can tell that there's both Jack's white input as well as like the big producers happening, mm-hmm. but just like the weird guitar tones he's getting on there, and then yeah. how almost incredibly it's almost seamless when they're yeah. switching back and forth with the vocals, like. The first couple times, I didn't notice that Jack White was actually singing. Right, right. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's that, that's Jack yeah. White on the chorus. I think that's <laughs> some of the same stuff we get with the tours where if he is collaborating with somebody he truly respects, he mm-hmm. will kind of like leave space for other people and create a beautiful thing that's bigger than the individual sum of its parts. Yeah. And so, so if well he doesn't, which I think is what happened with the Alicia Keys thing, he's, he was probably a little bit of like... You're playing with Jack White because they he had both of their uh, guitars like to the, those custom uh, like Bo Diddley guitars for them for all the promo work and all and you're like oh you made a guitar for Alicia Keys the piano player that that was awesome of you to do that you probably should have asked her if she you know what I'm saying like guitar, yeah. yeah like why why in the promo stuff are you both going to be holding yeah. guitars and you know so it's kind of like some stuff where if he pulls the Jack White card or if he's like. Oh no no like cool like with the Beyonce yeah. thing and, and mm. with the Rome thing. Well, I think we did. I you know I, I don't know the whole story behind the Bond theme, but I would assume just based on the sonics of the end result that it was Jack White and he was like, you know, it'd be cool mm. if I collaborated uh, with Alicia Keys yeah. as opposed to the Beyonce song where it was very clearly like Beyonce mm. had this concept and she was like, I want to make a fucking rock song. I want to be angry. Right, you know who's right. perfect for that? Jack, Jack White. White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she it was more wrong. of an invitation, and oh, so. so good. And if you and if there's someone you can't pull the Jack White card with, it's Beyonce. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. Absolutely. That is Beyonce's a... not going to handle any of that. Right. Shit. That is a confrontation I would pay unspeakable <laughs> right. amounts of money right. just to watch. Even even if it's very cordial. Yeah. yeah. And Beyonce's just oh. like, no, I don't think that's. It would a be like Cersei right. yeah. Lannister and like. <laughs> Oh, and Marjorie? Yeah. yeah. It'd be like Cersei and Marjorie. Yeah, just like, like Jack is oh, clearly Cersei. Third drink before noon, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Fight me. Yeah. 
So a question I want to pose to the group, and I'm going to start with Justin on here. Genuine question, and I mean this, and I'm going to let you interpret the word good in this sentence as well. Is Meg White a good drummer? She's an effective drummer. Hmm. I'll give you that. Yeah. She she fills the part that she needs to. She is the John Watson to the Sherlock Holmes. Uh-huh. She stimulates the genius. Mm-hmm. She's Jack White's creative stimuli. Yeah. And more than any other project, I would argue. Really, yeah. Um, I I'd go beyond. You could compare her to Ringo. Like that is a fair comparison. I'm not going to argue that. Uh-huh. But it's more than just that because there's so many other variables in the Beatles. Mm-hmm. She, I definitely think she contributes m- more to the White Stripes sound than Ringo contributes to the Beatles yes, sound. Absolutely. Whereas, like, Ringo, it could yeah. be someone else drumming and you probably it. wouldn't Quincy tell. Jones. Whereas, <laughs> right, and sometimes it literally is other people drumming and they yeah. just still credit him. Oh, yeah, who said, uh, like, oh, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the band? That was John Lennon. That was John Lennon. Who the hell else? Yeah, right. Yeah, right, if there's a Beatle talking smack about another Beatle, it's right. John, it's, it's John. <laughs> I, I think that I think that one of their similar qualities that's so great, though, is that they both know how to um, serve the song and actually actually support the genius without trying to overdo the genius of the song that's already in there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that yeah. sense of deference. Almost. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's not one Beatles song or one White Stripes song where you would say like, oh, they're trying to overplay the rest of the band. Right. What's going on? They're you trying to have their star that. moment. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's an honesty in that that I really mm-hmm. respect. And I feel like the general public and poor Meg, you know, <laughs> people, people just take things at face value and they didn't, recognize that raw brutal almost honesty that this is what it is because it works not because Mm -hmm. i mean yeah jack white probably is kind of a misogynistic overly controlling asshole but aside from that aside from that we're not going to argue that the formula doesn't work okay but could you also agree that maybe there were times in the discography when they could have done it a couple more times and used a better take. Because they recorded yeah. to such because tight time frames. There are moments where like depends on what you're going for. She's dragging though. hard. Yeah. Or like She would not survive whiplash. Or like <laughs> Or like there are there are a couple songs and I can't remember which specifically at the moment, but there were a couple songs where I was listening and I was just like, wow, she's hitting the same drum over and over again and somehow it sounds different on every individual hit. Which mm. on the one hand I respect that they right. actually used a live take, which especially, mm-hmm. even even by this time in the early 2000s, was rare. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, there's a lack of just yeah. any sort of professional and level I feel, whatsoever. But mm-hmm. it, I feel like it's that fine line between the garage rock, unprofessionally professional, you know, yeah. in yeah, that yeah, rawness. Yeah. Um, is she almost like the Jason Newstead? the equation you know like can't even play orion yeah you know but it just works metallica reference a, for you uh, yes you yes Meta- kids out yeah, there yeah i'm trying i'm trying to think that because it, my brain went to it's not oh, is she the one that gets like dumped on unnecessarily because like jason kind of deserves that. to get dumped on <laughs> he's just a super fan that's like happened to be in the band happened yeah. to get in the band somehow and he's in the he's rock and roll hall of fame pretty awesome uh background you're clearly really bitter about this when we do our metallica episode 
And no, he's not a bad guy. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. come on. Uh, now, speaking about Incredible Rockness, Will Hodge has had the experience of seeing Jack White live. Mm. He was mentioning a little yeah, bit. Yeah, with the a couple. Stripes. Yeah, uh, not with the White Stripes, but just, I've seen yeah. him a couple different times. Okay. I've seen him uh, solo when he was touring on Blunderbuss. Saw him play the Blue Room at Third Man. Um, for the second Dead Weather release, and actually hearing hearing him play drums live is an experience unto itself. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen him play a couple times just an individual song because when he used to live in Nashville, he would open a lot of the Blue Room shows by just coming out and playing a song. So like, oh wow, the the very first show that played at the Blue Room was his, uh, you know, idol Dex Rom Weaver came and played, and Jack started the show by coming out and playing just a solo acoustic. Um, version of one of Dex's songs and it was it was really impressive because Dex is another person that I feel like he kind of defers to and is like he was here first you know like if those two guys played together I think he would give him some space but seeing him play as a band leader and then also seeing him play as a drummer there is no question for all his eccentricities for all his maybe you know personal foibles with how he relates to people he is a sheer force of musicality, vocally, musically. Um, And it was funny because when I saw him play solo at the Ryman, I think we also got to see some of his uh, personal characteristics come out because the night before, he played more songs because the crowd seemed more into it. And I think a lot of people were bummed about seeing the female version instead of the male version. And he, like, cut the concert short. Like, he you could tell he was... Palpably, palpably pissed with the crowd, so he he played his, his set. People were kind of halfway enough into it to get him to come out to do an encore. That was one of the most blistering encores of like you could have more of this, but I'm going to give you like three songs to let you know what you're missing. And then he was like, deuces. Yeah, he was out. Um, but then like seeing him with the Dead Weather in uh, the Blue Room at Third Man, which is a very small, packed-in, tiny place. Like, it was probably the loudest concert I've ever been to. Which, it was which record was that with the Dead Weather? Um, was it Sea of Cowards? Yeah, Sea of Cowards. Okay. So it was one where they were wearing the masks on the front. Um, Wait, is that Sea of Cowards? Yeah, Four that's Sea of Cowards. Cowards. Yeah. is just Alice and Moss Hart. Right. And Sea of Cowards and then Dodge and Burn. Is that's right, Dodge and Burn. Yeah, yeah. Forgetting Dodge and Burn is a record. So, yeah, uh, yeah me too. and I seeing that, and he, he would come out from... <laughs> he came out from the drums and played a couple songs uh, on guitar at the Dead Weather show. And at his solo show, he, of course, played Tour songs and White Stripe songs. Yeah. And and I think that was one of the cool things was actually hearing full band version. I mean, we're talking like pedal steel and fiddle on some of these White Stripe songs that you're just uh, like, that would be He awesome. knows what he's doing. Like yeah. He has mastered, I keep saying tools, but he has mastered the tools in his toolkit so well that when he does have an obstacle or a misstep, I don't think it's for lack of trying. I think it's like seeing something to the end and then being like, okay, well, that's yeah. No, and that's a great point because versatility has always been one of mm-hmm. his, his strongest points. Um, it wasn't a great performance, but um, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, he was on the Grand Ole Opry doing Wayfaring Stranger. Yeah, you know, the and, Cold um, Mountain thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that, was that during Cold Mountain? Yeah, because he the did whole... that. Or, well, I know he did that song for saw... Cold Mountain. Oh, soundtrack. he did do that one for yeah. that. Okay, yeah. One of his five songs on there. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really need to watch that one. Well, I also, like, I feel like with, especially once he established Third Man Records, he started going into, like, different things. He began releasing one-off singles and well as producing things because he did that with Loretta Lynn album, which was a huge success. He then, less less known, he did a Wanda Jackson album. A lot yeah. of people find her as the predecessor to Elvis in a lot of ways because she was a big, brassy girl doing a lot mm-hmm. of, like,
like rock songs at the time in the 50s and his production on that album is fine her voice fucking sucks and it's a terrible <laughs> record I'm telling you that right now uh, but yeah. then he just began doing one-offs he did like a song with Conan O'Brien he did a song mm. with Beck he did a song with the Insane Clown Posse which was an attempt to try and turn some weird fucking Beethoven fetish song into like a rap song. It's one of the worst things. A Beethoven fetish song? Yes, it's about licking asses. And he brings You're gonna have to the, be more specific. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I forget. Yeah. Narrow it down a little yeah. more. <laughs> it, wow, it, that relates so much. I, I imagine like the Wait. photo in like Will Hodges' brain is a mix between Amadeus and Salo 120 Days of Sodom. So you know that's a tough thing. But uh, yeah, so there's that. But also, I'm, sorry, I'm like flabbergasted wow. right now that that even exists. I'll play it for you, and you'll hate it. Uh, but most importantly, though. Uh, before we get into my last topic, which is going to be a fun topic, I want to talk about, I think, what was the name, uh, Stiletto, what was the name of the second album? Lazaretto. 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 Can we talk about Lazaretto. the vinyl? Oh, oh the, the, what, the record-breaking? The, the ultra, ultra crazy, yeah. Dude, we'll so I'm here, sure yeah. you own it. I'm sure you own so it. So, we'll I'm, I'm one of those. has a lot of vinyl fun facts. About to <laughs> I do. Yeah. Y'all, we are about Drop to get it. into it. Drop so, that shit, <laughs> So, get your edit Drop button ready because, yeah, because it's going to be a lot. So, vinyl. This is, <laughs> this is one of those things. If, if we'll start with Lazaretto, I think that this is another part where we see his. Uh, indulgence and creativity actually uh, result in a lot of of really cool stuff. So Lazaretto being the the first album that actually has all three speeds on it is something that's really cool. So one side plays at 33, the other side plays at 45, and there's a secret track underneath the sticker groove that plays at 78. And that is like... That's perfection. Like, when, okay, so I like mean, this ultra vinyl that he put out for that album, though, it like shot. It was one of the best selling vinyls and mm-hmm. the best vinyl debut week ever because there's just so much shit on there. And that's not even touching the start of it. Keep going. Yeah. So he, they also had etched in holograms so that when it plays it's and you spinning. catch the right light, yeah, yeah. you see. And, and that's the stuff that's really crazy because the technology and the people that he gets to. He's one of those people that like thinks of stuff. And then find the people to make it happen, kind uh-huh. of thing. And so you're like, I don't even know where to start with the with the way of how you etch a hologram into a vinyl record, where it'll <laughs> it'll play when you're doing it, and you're just like, this is the most amazing thing. He he also um, each side of the record is a different uh, like texture. One is like the shiny vinyl, and the other side is like that matte kind of shellac 78 kind of thing that you go through. and then there's a locked groove at the end yeah there's a locked groove so it'll just keep playing as, as long as you want it to and then I think there's two it. different tracks as well yes there's one song where depending on where you drop the needle you either get an acoustic intro or an electric intro and you don't know which one you're going to get because when you drop the needle the groove actually splits and that's so small that there's no way you can intentionally Predict. make that happen Jesus. it's just wherever it is. Yeah. yeah and this was and that was the even though it was like the deluxe version in the sense of having all that stuff, that was the standard version. Like, he didn't put out... A regular, Here's just your plain regular... Right, yeah, like, yeah. He was like, I want everybody to experience this cool stuff. Like, if you're gonna splurge the for the vinyl of, version of this record, right. I want you to Don't have the experience. Yeah. 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 And I think that uh, having... Because I lived in Nashville. This should be a drinking game, how many times I've said Nashville <laughs> on this podcast. Nashville! Well, I think it gives some, uh, some context. So, like, right when he opened the storefront for third man uh it was really cool because um they didn't even have store hours you would literally have to go there hit a buzzer and whoever was working at the time would come open the door and let you shop 
but there weren't enough people there to justify like a cashier for eight hours a day or whatever. So yeah. it was literally like if you come by during work hours, ring the buzzer, we'll let you in. And sometimes that was Jack, like he would be at the office doing stuff and he would go let people in, you know, Jeez. and shop around and do stuff. And a lot of the, he has all these just cool, when you're talking about one-off projects, all these cool little things he would do. Uh, for the Dead Weather, they put out what they call a triple-decker record, which was a 7-inch inside of a 12-inch that you would have to break the 12-inch open to get to the 7-inch. The 12-inch was a song that was on the record, so it was a normal single. The 7-inch was a song that was only available on the 7-inch kind of thing, so you would have to break it open to get into it. He did a uh, liquid-filled record at one time. That's when he did his, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like it's awesome, but it's also that's like it's, ridiculous, it's right? Like, yeah. that's, that's, over the, that's also really over the top. Yeah. I mean, they um, one of the things that I really appreciate that he did is that because all of these things were released at the storefront, which was right across from um, the Nashville homeless shelter, there were a lot of record flippers who would go, and there would always be, of course, people hanging out at the homeless shelter. There were people that would go and say here's $20, stand in line, buy this record for me, because at the storefront they would only let you buy one at a time to try to keep people from flipping. So people would go find a homeless person, say here's 20 bucks, stand in this line, buy this record for me, when you come back out I'll give you another 20 or another 40 or whatever. So people would be making some money and the individuals doing that could walk away with five or six so or ten Jack White's helping the economy. <laughs> right. So to, to uh, kind of get ahead of that at one point, when they released one of his solo, I believe it was the Fell in Love at 22 or whatever, one of his, one of his uh, solo singles, they actually made it on a flexi disc and tied it to weather balloons and let it go from the top of Third Man Records so that it would catch the wind. <laughs> <laughs> and they released the single for free on weather balloons and it was there was a little tag that was like hey if you find this record uh you know get on this website call this number let us know because we want to track where all the you know balloons went to and it was like a cool way he's always kind of oh trying to God. get ahead of record flippers in interesting yeah. ways um <laughs> but i mean that's yeah. that's kind of like just a few of the things he always does the tricolor vinyls which um all of the releases on third man records for all the bands he produces they'll put out a black vinyl record, you know, in perpetuity, they'll always print those. But the first, initially it was 150 and then it was 300. They pressed it on tricolor vinyl and they used to only sell them at the storefront, which is where they got a lot of these flippers. <laughs> so I still remember going to, uh, he was releasing a Greenhorn single and I went that day, got in line to buy it just like everybody else because I love the tricolors. And everybody's walking out of the store with just the regular black records and they're like, Oh, we shipped all the tricolors to the band to sell at their show tonight, so we're not doing it at the storefront anymore. So it's another way of trying to like get people into music, but get ahead of like the, the gross part of eBay, of, yeah, yeah, the collector stuff. stuff like that. So I mean, there's so much stuff. There's oh, one other final one because I feel like I'm going on, but uh, whenever, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm <laughs> loving it. This whenever, great, yeah. whenever they uh, were celebrating. I think it was 10 years of Third Man Records or something, they put every single they had released up to that point on one record. To get all of the songs, it only played at three speed instead of 33 or 45. So if you played it by hand, you could hear the songs, every song they released as it was meant to. But if you actually placed the record on and put it like at 33, it was like 
chipmunk versions of all the songs. Yeah, because to get all of the songs on there, they had yeah. to uh, do it at a slower speed. So uh, he's always pushing and pulling. And they finally, just a few years ago, when they opened the Detroit storefront, uh, they actually have their own presses now, which is something they never had. So instead of having to go to United Records, um, they do it themselves. And the last one, last one. Uh, one really cool thing they did to celebrate Record Store Day one year is they made the fastest vinyl record in the sense of they recorded a song in the Blue Room, literally ran the tape to United Records that was there in Nashville, had them uh, convert it to the acetate, um, print up the stamp, print the record, run back to Third Man Records to sell it, and they had the they broke the record for the fastest, Short, yeah, fastest yeah, turnaround vinyl, ever yeah. for a recording so, to it. And some of that stuff, you're like, at the end of the day, you're like, ah, who it's cares? It's gimmickry, but yeah. For record stuff, it's like really cool to see like, what can we do with this stuff? Like, right. What's the well, it's a game. Like, what yeah. else? What <laughs> other envelope can we push at this right. point? Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. he's been setting records for, you know, oh, let's show up and play one note. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's true. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past Jack for Oh, yeah, he got like pissed that. at the Guinness Book of World Records people because they wouldn't qualify that. Right? Like, yeah. Like, see, yeah, that's you. some of yeah. the stuff where you're just kind of like, Okay, what's really? the what's the tangibility of that? Like, what is the one more note? Yeah. Right, one more <laughs> note. <laughs> so before I jump into my last topic, Justin, do you have anything else you want to say? Any alternate other? takes? Oh, um, that's that's something that I wanted to get on. Um, there's an alternate take for uh, two tracks off Icky Thump: "A Martyr for My Love for You," the acoustic one, mm -hmm. and um, gosh, what's the other one uh, that? Taryn and I both love. Um, Mark from a love for you? Uh, the 300 miles per hour? Or, or, oh no, what is, uh, yeah, here it's right in front of me. You don't know what love is. The oh, the yeah. house yeah. rock version of that. Um, what? I don't think I've heard that. I don't think I've heard that. Oh no? What was no. it um, You can find it on Spotify, but it was just, huh. it was a one-off single. It was, um, there are two or three off, but yeah, there's an acoustic version of Martyr for My Love for You, and um, he calls it like the frat house rock version, but it's all on hmm. keys. Of uh, you don't know what love is, you do is your soul. Damn, it's brilliant. Absolutely right. love it. But My Spotify has a filter that doesn't allow anything that says frat house to come through. So no, <laughs> that's why. Dude, you're being a sorority boy for some exactly. reason right. in your life. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I just always love that about about Jack because he'll give us alternate takes like Hotel Yorba. Yeah. Oh, I love that acoustic track. Right. Right. Um, so I don't know. Do you guys know any that I'm picking your guys' brains? Do you know anything think, that I don't know? Um, nope. <laughs> well, uh, there is on the on one of the conquest singles. There's a mariachi only. Yes, 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 yes. Oh yes. yeah. And so that one's pretty good. Not yeah. too well with that. Yeah. <laughs> also, and well, and also again, I think I, mean, I was mentioning it briefly. Uh, there is uh, the best one of the best White Stripes songs ever written. It wasn't even written by the White Stripes. It was written by uh, the Flaming Lips. Uh, when they did that one B-side, thank you, Jack White, for that fiber-optic Jesus that you gave me. <laughs> yeah. Which is a true story. Of when I say that every night before I go to bed. Exactly. I know. Your wife appreciates it, I'm sure. Uh, but that being said, the last thing I wanted to talk about, very simple, very fun, let's just go do it. Best White Stripes music video. Because there are some choices. And honestly, as much as everyone wants to say I fell in love with the girl because of the Legos right. and the craziness, <laughs> the fact it took three months to Iconic. film that two-minute song, uh, honestly... <laughs> The projections used on Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, like, again, Michelle Gondry's a fucking genius, and, like, mm. watching him do that, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, that was one mm. of my favorite things to see. It was so beyond creative and incredible. And then he randomly, for the, he did the City Lights music video, too, for the Jack White acoustic thing. He just, right. like, of him, like, just doing all the drawings on the 
steamed up shower wall. Uh, oh, I love that yeah, one. Yeah, and the thing is that, like, apparently, like, they were going to put out that Jack White double disc acoustics album, and then Michelle Gondry heard an early version of it. He just sent that video. They didn't plan on it, they didn't pay him or anything else oh, like that. Wow. Michelle Gondry's like, I got a great idea, and just filmed it himself and just sent it in. I was like, damn, son. What a guy. Like, that's cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Will Hodge is thinking. Justin's thinking. Uh, yeah. uh, there's two of them that kind of stick out that sometimes I like to watch just for the aesthetics. The songs rule on them, but the aesthetics are great. I think Hardest Button to Button is one that really shows, um, kind of like we were talking about earlier, the meticulous hands-on nature of like, this takes work, but it's the end product is going to be worth it kind of thing, uh-huh. um, which he does a lot. I think, that, I think that that's a really fun, interesting video to watch. And then off Icky Thump, there's a, yeah, You Don't Know What Love Is. That's the one where, that they filmed in Canada that's just really, like, just aesthetically, them. spatially yeah. beautiful. A lot of, you know, they're white, black, and red colors. Walking um, along a beach. Yeah, exactly. Things there's pointing at one point. Right, yeah. yeah. It's just kind of one of those things where you're like, you, pr- you know, it only took a couple hours in a day while you're on tour to do it. But it just, like, it looks beautiful, and it's simple, and it also, like, supports... What the, the song's song about. Like yeah. in a really cool way. I would say those are um, the hardest button to button. Obviously, that it just nails the the white stripes aesthetic mm-hmm. it, and everything that they stand for. Um, just some other honorable mentions like that. That's that's my pick. But um, Blackjack Davy is that that B side that's on? Um... Did we did a video for that? There's a video for it um, where they performed that at just this random little town in Canada. I believe it's on the Great Northern, under Great Northern Lights. White Lights, yeah. um, what, how, whatever the hell the name under is. Under Great Northern Lights. That yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, where they, uh, they, they showed up in this tiny little town because I think they had to hit every province. Yeah. yeah. Right? So like... That was their thing. They had to do something for this little mm. town. So they show they showed up and they played Black Jack Davy, And it's just, it's just this very Jack White indulgent thing to do do where um i think there's a a part in the video where he's wearing a top hat and he jumps down off of a rock and like there's a cutout of like a person in a top hat (laughs) and it's just that's something jack would do it's that quirky charming little thing and it's them playing this song that you don't hear yeah Conquest and music video that may turn that one actually West. is. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the video, right? For yeah, that. so yeah. we can that agree on that one. Last, <laughs> I last the video thing, on mute. <laughs> last thing I want to talk about, and it might get loud. The weird, yes, thank not you. great documentary <laughs> with him and the Edge and he Jimmy tried, Page. He, okay, I have no patience for you two. And oh, I did. A, yeah. I did. I actually did a project on Bono in high school. Mm, for like, I'm sorry. A, a, I'm so sorry. An independent. I'm a big U2 class. fan, but I'll let people and I, all day. Long. I <laughs> and the, I and they they I have songs that I enjoy. Yeah. But yeah. when I actually start looking as them at them as humans, I can't. <laughs> and so like, Evan rented. It might get loud earlier this week and tried to watch it with me and I was like, there's too much edge in this. I'm, I can't finish this. I like, like the Jack White and the Jimmy Page parts. But yeah. yeah. But, oh, so but, Jack White's fucking kid. Isn't that his nephew, though? Is, or I don't or, know yeah, who the fuck it was. Because it just yeah. pans over and it says age. Yeah. Right. Like, right. No, no name. And it's, exa- and it's exactly like... picked up Yeah, and it's ditch. just like he dressed exactly yeah. like him, kicking a guitar and doing weird shit. And it's just like, what's going on? Yeah. This is weird, I mean, Jack. But to be fair, though, 
are you surprised that a child in Jack White's life has been, <laughs> ha, has been modeled after him? To I know he team? won't allow his kids to use like electronics or have smartphones. That's he one wants thing he there to has. be another Jack oh. White when he dies. And last so. but not least, when he, because uh, he married the model uh, Kate Else, Karen, 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 whatever, uh, from the you know from the uh, Blue Orchid Love video. Uh, and the thing is that apparently, like, they were married for a while, and then she like had you know, was like had a restraining order filed against him because yeah. you know he's Jack White. Uh, and I guess they actually had a divorce party too. Yes. Like they sent out invitations yeah, to invite people did. to their divorce party. You do? <laughs> I didn't go to the party, okay. but I've got my. Yeah. You have an invitation to their yeah. divorce God, party? Why didn't you go? Yeah, I think we were out of town, like in Atlanta or something, because yeah. that's where our family's from. It was one of those things where, uh, in an attempt to try to be like. How can we make a divorce not a divorce and show everybody we're still... You can try as hard you know, as you want. Well, like, but the thing is that, like, he still has relationships with yeah. multiple of his ex-wives. Yeah. Like, clearly, He's, just because yeah. he um, is not necessarily a good partner to spend the rest of your life with doesn't mean that yeah. Yeah. you hate him afterwards. Well, I, tell you, I think I can respect. Yeah. It's a skill. Yeah. That, is, yeah. that is a skill. Not only are they raising kids together, but it was... It was going to be one of the things I brought up when you mentioned the one-off singles. The album that he produced for her, The Ghost Who Walks, is actually one of my like favorite. Like it's really, really, really good, and it's her songs. A lot of people try to say like he wrote all the songs, just let her sing them. They're her songs, very but it's his love complete, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it's very, very much his production touch on her like acoustic songs or whatever, and it is like this beautiful bridge between what we like about the raconteurs and you know what we might like about the dead weather because there's some really cool organ and stuff but uh he has a he had like a working relationship with her that really really worked and for another one of the weird vinyl things he put out a single for her that was uh clear vinyl with rose petals pressed in the middle of it mm, <laughs> and honey. so it's, it's her song well, i kind of love that it's yeah, a really right? cool it's a really cool looking uh seven inch that is rose petals pressed into yeah. well because they met on the blue orchid video mm-hmm. right yeah because um, she was yeah. the model in those ridiculous heels that were like right. painful to even look at but oh gosh, yeah. and they got married on a canoe in the Amazon. And uh, all the Jack yeah. White was it Meg there for it? So was it Meg there for it? If I'm not mistaken, yes, she, yeah, was, she was the yes. maid of honor. Uh, yeah, maid yeah. of honor. Best fucking weird. Man. Well, listen, I mean, hadn't they been divorced for like over a decade at yeah. that point? But yeah, that, that I think weird? I think yeah. that yeah, they're still. But in true Jack White form, he should have taken Karen's last name, and he should be Jack Elson now. But you know, I mean, he was already. You can't change your name once you're famous. Yeah, yeah. That that doesn't. But he go took well. Meg's name when they got married, so he should have taken Karen's name. Well, listen, we're 46 minutes into our fucking mini sode, <laughs> so uh, I'm just gonna Quote call it mini. right now. Right. Exactly, our meaty sode. And uh, <laughs> let me just say uh, before anything else, though, as once we talk about all this weird eccentric stuff, because Jack White's a fucking crazy lunatic who we love and hate and love. Uh, I want to say, Will and Justin, truly thank you for being yes. here and providing all of this insight and joy and wonderment and peppermint and all sorts of other things. This is great. Yeah. Uh, And in the meantime, though, do us a favor. Show us your love by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud and Twitter and Facebook and Stitcher and other shit I don't know about. Snapchat? I don't know. Uh, We don't have a Snapchat. We don't have a Snapchat so far. (laughs) Unless we do. If they find us, it's not us. Trotographers at gmail.com. That's real, though. Uh, In the meantime, though, thank you guys. Keep listening because you know that we'll be. Have a good one. Goodbye.
If you like this podcast, you should also check out I'd See That. What do we talk about, Jeff? Movies. Movies? What else? Tangents? We don't talk about tangents. We go on tangents. Pretty sure we talk about tangents, too. Okay, fine. You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. I'd See That. Also, find us on Twitter and Facebook. Boom. Boom.